Good afternoon, radio. This is Patty Holstrand, and we're on KWAD Radio, and we're live today. And we have a special guest, and of course we're talking about uh, Arizona author, Roundup, and that's our show for Wednesdays, and today we've got an, an Arizona author. She also is a, a comedic author, and I would call her a satirist, and I think she's got a really cool book, and I'd like her to introduce herself and, and let her let you know that she's around, and she's on the air now. Hello. Hi, hello everyone. Hello, hi Patty. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. So I, you know, I read some of your story, and I, I love your brand of humor. You know, it. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it made me laugh out loud. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> and thank of course, you so I. Much. I own a cat of my own. So and I've owned lots of cats in my in my day, and so I I can understand exactly some of some of your sarcasm when it comes to cats. So tell us who you know a little bit about you and about your book. Oh well, so um, I uh, I was born and raised in um, in uh, the Balkans. It's it's a very culturally diverse area, I would say. And uh, I can also say um, I've been writing since, I don't know if I could hold a pen, since I was a little girl. But um, I think it wasn't until I moved here to the United States. I moved to the United States 10 years ago. Um, and I, I joined a writer's group, and I discovered that um, that I could write. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I could write um, uh, humor to begin with. I think that was part of my that the dark humor is part of my heritage. Um but and um well I my my first book The Healings came out last year um in November. It's um as I said a humor book. Um it's a, it's um it's a book about the the bright side of depression, if you will. It's <laughs> it's a book about a depressed um uh, there is a bright side to depression, believe it or not, and I'm, I'm, I'll do my best to convince you um, about this um, uh, tonight. But um, my story is um, is about a depressed uh, male, a nameless depressed male, who goes from healer to healer, um, from shamans to scientists, from from psychiatrists to dream interpreters, you know. Um, to to learn about life, you know, um, mm-hmm. and um, and it's a very, it's also a very vivid sto- uh, journey into into the raw and uncensored human mind because he's he's not holding back, you know. <laughs> it's a very it's a very eccentric character. He's he's rude. He's uh, he's um, pissed at mankind. He checks out everything, you know, like he goes. He he has he's opinionated, you know, and then there's also the cat, and the cat is even worse than than he is <laughs> at some point. Okay. He's, he's, 
sassy. Say, and is too, the cat that sarcastic? I mean, the cat is really is really uh, uh, open. Hey, he's got an open mouth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So so it's it's a it's a sort of analysis, you know, of ev- everything, if you will. Like they go. Um, they check out everything, the education system, the health care, politics, retirement homes, you know, um, uh, from, from as I said, from flesh and bones creatures to, to flesh and bone creatures to, you know, just uh, bizarre life situations. That's, that's them, and they're, they seem to be everywhere and um, to have... Uh, to have uh, um, views on 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 existence, une- unexpected and and uh, and pretty introspective at some point views on on existence. Uh, well, one of the questions that we were you brought up a, a bit ago, obviously where where your origins were uh, from, in Romania, and uh, what brought you exactly to America? You Did you what? just want to get? Did you want to get out of there, or do you wanted to find the American dream, or what was it exactly? That's that's a that's a good question. Um, I I think life brought me here, fate brought me here, if you will. Of course, I wanted to to get out of there, but I wanted to get out of there before um, 1989, you know. Um, and I I moved to the states in 2001, so. Um, and I, I, I guess curiosity brought me here. You know, obviously it was a, um, it, 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 it wasn't a typical um, immigration situation, if you will. At that time, I was married, and um, I relocated here. We relocated with my uh, back then husband, so um, with with his job. Um, right. And later we parted ways. But I stayed because I, I liked um, I liked America and um, I liked um, Arizona. In spite of you know, I know everybody's like, oh, it's so hot here. But uh, trust me, I've seen some gruesome winters, um, <laughs> and, and I'm a big fan right. of, of of heat. Oh, I'm from Ohio, so I understand what you're talking about. So she mm-hmm. got really really cold there, and I, I'd rather pick hot for a few days mm-hmm. out of the out of the year and had pleasant pleasant months the rest of the time. Uh, then they had the, the the brutally cold winters. So, um, uh, a little bit about yourself. Um, is there any interesting writing quirks or stories that you'd like to share with us? I mean, you know considering what? your work, you know, the kind of stuff that you write, you you might. How do you get into that? Into writing or in this or into this subject, like into into right um, into like the subject. How how do you how do you get it's kind of like it's not something I think. I think humor is one of the hardest things to write, and yet um, your sarcasm just, just comes right out, and it, it's funny. It's just it's just plain funny. So, how do you get into the mood to, to write something like that, or is this something that comes natural for you? Um, that, that that's a very good question. I think it comes uh, natural in a way because. Um, um, I I lived 20 years um, under a communist dictatorship, um, and a very very um, nasty one. Um, and I think that was our way of you know of coping with um, with that horror. Um, um, we laughed at things when we couldn't take it anymore. We just laughed <laughs> at things, and and um, I think we all developed in a way or another. And if you look at the history of that part of the world, you know, like all the wars and every like every we had a war in the Balkans, what, not that long ago, you know. 
Um, and and if you look at the history there, um, you know, you, you just have to laugh. Otherwise, you, you, you just lose your mind for good. I mean, um, that's relative, too, because I, 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 I have yet to meet someone who is capable of, you know, giving me the definition of mental sanity. But um, that's something I don't quite believe in, you know. But we'll talk about that, too. Um, but, you know, looking back, I think, I think, um, I think we're born into this this dark humor and sarcasm because we we somehow had to well, you know we had to survive you know um you, you can't be too serious <laughs> you yeah, know? Every, every once in a while i say you know you, you might as well laugh because you know it, it's it's really depressing to cry mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes you have to throw up your hands and say well you know we're all just messed up you know uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then um, as for the healings, I think for, for this particular uh, um, topic, which is depression, I think that, um, uh, you know, what prompted me to, to, to write about it um, uh, uh, was the fact that the stigma that goes with <laughs> it, you know. And it took me, I must say, it took me like 20 years um, to brew this, you know, to brew things. Um, because I started writing in, what, uh, 2008? Mm. Um, I used to write in college, um, you know, short things, shorts and stuff, and and then I stopped writing. And I could not write for, what, 15 years at Uh all. But I kept thinking, and I kept thinking of it, you know. like So I I can say (laughs) I took my time, you know. (laughs) Well, I don't think it's so much that you you just, you just weren't writing. At all, so it's not like something you, you you gave up or just couldn't seem to do. You just didn't find the time to sit down in front of you know, or pen it. You know, you, however you do it, if you do it in front of a computer or if you or if you write it on paper. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so something you know, I have a lot of people say, well, how do you deal with writer's block? I I don't personally believe in writer's block. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you just sometimes you're trying to write and. Nothing really comes to you, but you know, really, what you should do is just simply start writing. Sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what a lot of people say. Well, writer's block? No, you didn't have writer's block. You just weren't writing. And what you were writing, you thought was too bad to ever see the light of day. And that's the thing is, I advise a lot of people is not everything you write should should be should make it into print. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I I agree. I agree. Uh huh. So you've got to you know you got to practice it, even if it's even if it's crap. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the only way to get get over that hump and actually make it into something better, which you can only get better at anything unless you practice it. And mm-hmm. uh, that's the thing is, they say, well, I wrote it, therefore it should be published. No. <laughs> it can be published, but nobody's going to read it. So that's uh, <laughs> the difference. Uh-huh. So, so you say that you're that you write. I I call it satire. Um, I'm not sure if any, anybody else has coined you as as being uh, something else. But I, I write. I, I'm I consider that what you write is satire, and. Um, so what what do you think that you something that you want to write again? Something else in this type of genre or are you considering something else? 
you know, um, because now I started I started writing my memoir. Mm. Um, my 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 friends, um, writers. Some of them are writers as well, and they they you know they've been pushing me. You know, you have to write this. You have it's interesting for for me. It's not. You know, going back there, it's it's definitely not interesting at all. But um, they think it's a, it's a it's a story that um, I should write. So I started writing it, and I I discovered that somehow my sister calls me a clown. You know, um, that no matter what I I I you know I I manage to entertain people. But um, and there's some of some of these stories are not fun at all. But um, but I, I I realized that that sarcasm sarcasm somehow stayed with me. You know, because <laughs> right now I'm 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 writing my own story. And um, and I still can't get away from it uh, for, for for some reason. So I, I'll 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 probably um, I'll probably um, be in the same area. You know, um, I don't know. No. I, I try to to write um, not serious because I write about serious uh, on serious very serious topics. But uh, I try to not to make it funny because it's not. Sometimes I don't even. My my goal is not to to make it funny, and it's still. It's still uh, somehow um, hilarious, in a way or another. So, I guess um, I guess I am it, a clown. It's it's not so it's it's slightly biting humor. It's uh, uh, for instance what you put on your your uh, website. By the way, would you like to share your website address for everyone? Oh, of course. Um, it's uh, www.thehealings.net. That's dot net, everyone, not dot com. Yes, and it's dot net. Mm-hmm. You've got you've got some uh, some of your work on there, and you've got a, a, a interesting story um, about some law that got changed in your country, and everyone had to be careful about what they said because they could be brought up on charges and and sent to prison. Oh, the that that's the yeah, that's the that's one of the healings actually uh as the the healing session in uh, session in censorship where they couldn't say anything because they were like, yeah. And uh, well, uh, need I say what inspired this? I mean, that would be um, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're getting there. We we are um um, we are a society that loves loves uh, lawsuits, you know, mm-hmm. for for some really stupid reasons. I mean, for for really stupid, superficial, minor, you know, incidents. And you heard of lawsuits that are really, to me, ridiculous. Right. So for some reason, for some reason, you know, like there are serious serious issues out there, and we should we should take care of, um, and should be concerned. You know, there there's you know, child abuse, there's like, you know, all sorts of horrible things going on. And you see, you know, um, uh, uh, you see people suing each other over really, really silly things. Right. So I thought that was funny, you know. Well, I thought it, it, it kind of reminded me of this morning because uh, my son handed me a bunch of paperwork from the school and I had to actually get it notarized that I actually signed it. And I, I, I'm going... What the heck is this about? You know, <laughs> and and he says, "Well, you know, they're covering yourself." Oh yeah, I know what this is all about. <laughs> but that's what life we're living in. That you know, that nobody can do anything. They can't sneeze in the schools without you know some somebody deciding to sue them. 
and oh, and so I totally agree with you and understand what you're talking about. When we we can we can uh, sue somebody because they fell into an empty pool in a mall, and somebody happened to get it on tape. Uh, they, they were texting, and it's this lady fell in, and she so she's suing the security guard uh, who happened to be watching at the time in a totally different room. Uh, and she and then it, it's his flagrant. Yeah, there's no reason to even. I mean, you're stupid. <laughs> you did something mm-hmm. stupid. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Is, is it everybody else's fault that you did that? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> but yeah, mm-hmm. we live in a society that is is very easily offended, and so I found that really funny because of that. Yeah, that's uh, and of course you had to try to uh, keep your cat from saying anything. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, to be honest, <laughs> she, she can't. She will never hold back. That cat is terrible. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like how you how you uh, worded that, where the cat decided not to say anything when you asked her how you looked, and how the how the character looked, and <laughs> and the cat didn't say anything. So she knew what was coming. <laughs> oh, I loved it. So. um that's good because I, I think that you have a natural gift, and it's kind of like I'm not sure if you're familiar with Irma Bombeck or Nora. Um, shoot, I, I wrote it down on your description here because I happen to love her. Cause I've I've read a lot of her stuff, and she's now writing new stuff. And uh, so they're satirists, they're women, and Nora Ephron. Um, oh, Nora Ephron. Yeah. And yeah, she, she she's totally very good. funny. She's always been funny, uh, mm-hmm. but the same kind of sarcasm and, and satire. She takes a little bit of her life and and she embellishes, obviously, uh, mm-hmm. to you know make it absurd enough. And uh, and we all is like we're shaking our heads, yes, but we're laughing, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, what what are you gonna do? Um, I, I, I think yeah, I think I think um, laughter is a very good. Uh, it's a very is a very good um, um, healing tool, you know, um, for for a lot of things. And this is a book about depression. I mean, it is funny, but it is about depression ultimately. Um, the guy is severely depressed. It's not even a light depression. He has a major depressive syndrome, believe it or not. And it's it's not very obvious in every chapter because he's not bringing it up right. but it's it, that's what it is about and about his ability to to you know go beyond that and escape this this um horrible depression and um and uh, become a um you know realize what truly matters in life and that's his journey, you know. It can be it can be anybody's journey. Um, that's why I made him nameless to begin with, because I wanted the readers to I'd be able to identify, to connect with him, you know, with him um, easily. Yeah, and that's, that's that's interesting. You know, sometimes I find like if you're, you're it's like religion. If you're trying to get a little bit of religion and in, in story, sometimes fictionalizing it. And you're getting the message somewhere in there, but the thing is that that you still have a fiction story that's 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 good, and that people are going to get it, you know, get this the message anyway. Um, but you're putting you're you're candy coating it in a way, um, yeah. But it still comes through, 
as being the overall message, which for you is depression. And which, of course, is a really uh, interesting subject right now. I mean, everybody's, you know, taking popping pills for one thing or another. And depression seems to be the big one. Um, and sweet. I, I think I think um, um, what basically, as I said, what prompted me to write the book, and obviously I didn't sit down one day and said, oh, I'm going to write about depression. I think it was subconscious, obviously, because it's not uh, autobiographical, but uh, but I used to be. I, I know what major depressive syndrome looks like, for sure. So I have a very good insight into that. And um, I... Um, I got pissed, simply put, you know, um, part of my French. I just got pissed because there's so much stigma um, attached to depression. Um, it, it, it's a secret, basically, you know, something that, you know, you don't share with, with anybody. And this distorted image, just like with any other stereotype of the depressed person, you know, being this, this um, you know, crazy person with, with um you know, ungroomed with bags under their eyes, with hair standing on end, um mm. um uh, drinking or, or you know um or or you know sleeping with strangers. You know, this this yeah. weird image that people have about depression when in reality, because it's such a shameful quote unquote illness, you know um, in reality, there are so many people, you know, depressed, severely depressed, and you wouldn't believe who is depressed in your circle of friends or, you know, in your family. Yeah, um, I, I, I agree with you because that, that's that's the thing. You may not even know the person next to you is 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 you know that depressed because they they have learned to you know cover it up. Um, I have family members who are that way, and uh, when I was in the middle of divorce. Uh, my doctor wanted to give, you know, I had signs of depression. Well, duh, you know, I'm in the middle of the, <laughs> I'm in the middle of the divorce. <laughs> so uh, he says, well, you know, I can give you something for that. And I say, uh, no, because you know what? It's, I said, even if I'm depressed, obviously I'm depressed. But the thing is that to me, it was, I need to get through this. And so my depression is my depression. <laughs> So kind of like I I I needed to be needed to go through that in order to get past it and go through the you know the normal grieving stage because divorce is just like a death in the family oh. and and so you get past that and then you know if you can do it without uh, you know without the meds then you know I feel an important thing to try. Uh, if you can't, then, then by all means, you know, don't go through your life depressed, you know, and, and when you can get help. You know, not, I would never say that, because you, if you really need that, then that's something you need, and you really should do that. Um, but I wanted to do it, you know, uh, my way first. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, we all go through depressed stages, or, you know, mm-hmm. I was through a depressed stage earlier today because everything was going wrong. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, it's, I I agree. I agree. Um, I I've been there too. And you know what? Like um, I I I talk to my my sister is a shrink. I have friends shrinks. We talk all the time. And you know, it's not it's it's a natural response to trauma. If if I you know if you um if I if I scratch your skin, you're you're gonna bleed. You know, if you're not bleeding, that I'm gonna suspect you're an alien, because yeah. we humans have a skin. You know what I'm saying? And it's yeah. it's a response. 
So I don't think it's such a shameful. I think we, um, I agree with you. I totally agree. I, um, I've never uh, taken meds or anything, you know, but, uh, but I, you know, um, I know how horrible this can be um, because like you, I felt that I have to go through this. However, mm-hmm. I, and I, we were chatting actually on Facebook uh, the other day about it, and uh, I totally agree that, you know, for some people this doesn't work and they need to be medicated and they need to seek, you know, mm-hmm. therapy or, you know, everybody, each, each person has their own journey, but I think we as a society have to understand and respect that to begin with. I don't right. think it's, um, you know, this, this need, our need um, to be perfect, quote-unquote, you know, we need mm-hmm. to have uh, perfectly white teeth, our hair needs to be glossy. We need to be perfect size zero or minus five. I don't know what size is perfect right now. Um, you know, our nails need to be perfect. We go to gym to have nice bodies, you know, not necessarily to be healthy. I mean, let's be honest here. Uh, there's so much pressure, right, to, yeah. to join um, a health club just to just to be sexy and, and perfect. And, you know, and our minds need to be perfect as well. Well, guess what? They're not. not. No. <laughs> What's wrong with that? We're, I mean, we're all crazy in a little bit of way, I think. Uh-huh. <laughs> if we, if we're not, you? if we're not, then something's really wrong with us. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But yeah, it's eventually in this day and age. I mean, there is so many things. Yeah, we've all gone through a whole lot of things in in 2010 and 20 in 2009 with the mm-hmm. economics and and everything, mm-hmm. and, and we keep hearing more and more you know things going wrong and. And you know, we just have to throw up our hands sometimes and say, you know what, we're we're all in the same boat. You know, we're all in this. And uh we we got in ourselves into this and we gotta get ourselves out. <laughs> so exactly. you know, it's natural that we're going to wind up having problems, uh, you know, one after another. And you just gotta try to get through it. And uh, again, like I said, you know, I I, I have uh, personal friends and relatives who are bipolar, so I I don't ever recommend that they uh, get off their meds. Um, so you know, there's always going to be some some uh, you know brain disorders that you really need to get help for, uh, mm-hmm. and you need to, need to find out whether or not it's just depression or if it's something deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, yeah. and and then the, the, what bothers me mostly is the stigma. I mean, obviously, as artists, you know, writers were always um, uh, regarded <laughs> as being crazy, and I don't care. As I said, like my sister calls me clown. That's fine, and I know I am a clown, and that's life. And um, I I don't I don't necessarily feel bad about it anymore. Um, but but um, this this stigma that uh, and actually in, in my book one of the stories in one of the stories there are stigma prizes awarded you know for literary <laughs> achievements and that's that's how the, the their stigma prize you know the stigma awards annual stigma awards because I had enough and I just I just use this word but um, but I think it's very sad and I think I think um, 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 uh, another issue I I I, I, I talk about i touch upon in this book is loneliness um mm. you know pe- people don't feel like when when there's so stigma associated with any any imperfection of any sort but especially with with mental conditions people don't feel comfortable talking about it and i think 
you know, if I was very lucky because I I have I had back then when I when I when I was severely depressed and um awesome friends. Um and I could talk openly about my problems and and they they were honest and I was honest with and I'm always honest, you know. But but I look around and I see so many people who are lonely and they have no one to turn to. And I think that's a very important thing, you know. This type of, you know, informal therapy. Um, who are your friends, ultimately? You know, yeah. Who are the- uh, sometimes I think that, uh, you know, Facebook and some of these uh, uh, social media, I mean, while it's a good thing, it just also can be negative uh, for some because it's a superficial way to get to know the people. And uh, mm-hmm. so you say, well, I have, you know, 3,000 friends. Well, do you really? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not really, you know. Uh, you have uh, maybe one or two people who really know you uh, in that 3,000. And so the word term friend is is kind of uh, we spend more time uh, on the computer and talking to these superficial friends instead of really getting out and uh, and doing something and getting to know people in, in person. So I, I'm that's, worried that's about true. worried about our society who is constantly uh, in this kind of a media and not yeah. really. Not really reaching out and getting the healthy uh, relationships they need. Yeah, that's true. But um, then, if you if you think about it, Patty, you know, and um, that's another another um, topic that you know has haunted me for forever. Um, nobody teaches us about the importance of failure, you know, mm-hmm. um, in schools and then later in life, you know, and about rejection and. Um, um, you know, in my opinion, this is as important as success is because we need to know how to handle failures. And the moment you try to approach someone, and you're honest, because you need to build your relationships on honesty to begin mm-hmm. with. I mean, that's it's obvious, right? And and you get rejected. You need to learn that that's part of life, right? You know, and, I, and not, yeah. it's not easy. It's not easy, and I think. I think we need to teach in in our children in school that uh, you know not everybody is a winner. We can't be all winners. At times yeah. we have to fail, and there's nothing wrong with it. I was going to say something about that because uh, I have a son, obviously, and he's 17 now. But when he oh, was yeah. in you know kindergarten and, and you know, even in preschool, mm-hmm. uh, they they had a you know everyone had awards. Yeah, everyone, and they went through graduation in preschool and said, mm-hmm. what on mm-hmm. earth for? <laughs> you know, that, that, that to me was going over uh, over the line. Uh, there's a natural place in which, you know, natural place for everyone who goes through uh, school, like for eighth grade, they, they've now entered into a, another era. They've entered into, uh, into high school. And... Uh, if they're getting that step to adulthood, so there should be something there to signify that. But then, when they obviously when they're in high school, once they, grow, they graduate from high school, then they've now entered into adults. So, but to 
to they, they used to give out ribbons for you know uh, this or you know the best dresser but this everyone got a ribbon because nobody should be left out well yes but they don't really deserve that ribbon <laughs> it's there's there's they can't do anything for that ribbon yet well we can't let them leave them out because then they'll feel bad about themselves mm-hmm. um, but then they're not going to try to excel. They're going to get a ribbon mm-hmm. no matter whether they try or not. So they, yeah. we've gotten mediocrity here. We're, we're sitting there giving prizes for mediocrity, and the whole, his whole generation doesn't doesn't understand that you know you need to excel, you need to try harder, you need to in order to get what you really want in life, you need to work hard for it. But they've always gotten ribbons for not doing anything. So it is a big problem. And I, so I totally mm-hmm. understand what you're saying. Good, but mm-hmm. Believe it or not, we've got somebody on the line who wants to talk to you. Oh, mm. Maybe not. <laughs> They're peeking. They were peeking. <laughs> no, I, I, I understand. I totally understand. And the, the, the problem is, like, there's a gap between between school and between life and career and jobs and whatever, you know. When, you know, in school you learn that you get your ribbon no matter what because everybody's a winner, right? And then you go out there and you see, oh, wow. <laughs> right. I, I, I need to be very competitive, but nobody has ever taught me how to do that. And right. I think it's it's a, a little bit cruel, you know. It's a little bit on the cruel side at this point. Um, and again, I, I laugh at this in my book as well, but it's not like, because I used not to sure, teach in school sure as well. Not sure if it's cruel. Not sure if it's cruel, but it, they, we didn't prepare them. Mm-hmm. And so by giving them the ribbon and, and saying, well, everyone's equal, we've now not prepared them for the harshness of, of actually getting a job and having to keep it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so obviously I've done my own thing at home. <laughs> Besides the fact that school, you know, he he gets rewarded when he when he's done better than what he what he should do, uh, and yeah, I, I reward him heavily when he does when he goes beyond the call of duty, um, and when he doesn't do his work, then you know he knows about it because I tell him. Yeah, he's going to have the same issue when he gets a job, so he's got to learn that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what is your uh, I just want to remind everyone that yes you can call in um, it's the number is 714-242-5145 and if you just wish to uh, peek in and not really really talk to us then I can you know just I'll check with you and then say no I don't have a question I just want to listen then that's fine too also we're on chat we do have a couple people in chat, so if they have a question or if they comment, please write it in there, and I'd be more than happy to pass that on and get it answered. So I'm going to ask you a couple more questions here until somebody else can chime in. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seem to be enjoying it without that. Um, what do you think, the, what was the most surprising things you learned when you were writing this book? You know what? I learned a lot of things when I was writing this book, and 
Um, I don't want to sound cliche, but I think every writer knows at some point that their characters are independent and they do what they want to do. And you just sit there, you know, you sit back and you watch them doing their things because they 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 get their own, you know, life. And uh, and my character is pretty is pretty independent. Um, but uh, I think I learned, you know, I learned from him. You know, mm-hmm. I learned a lot from him. Um, as I said, it's not an autobiography, so um, I, I learned from him and I learned ab- about myself as well. Because I realized that I wouldn't have made it out of this very, very dark place where I was. Um, and I had been depressed for, for um, a long time um, w- without my friends. And right. um, I, think that's the, I think that was the most surprising thing that I, you know, um, learned when I was writing my book. Because I would, I would write probably a chapter a week and I would go and share it with my friends. And they kept me going. You know, they kept encouraging me to write. Um, so, I, I, I think um, I think that was probably the most surprising thing um, that we need. We, we really need to to be surrounded by people who who we yeah. love and and they love us back. You know, right? Definitely. Speaking of speaking of uh, of, of healings. Well, yes, yeah, it, it, it helps you to heal and uh, also a sounding board. Um, I found some of my best friends who I could sit there and I, you know, we'd go over chapters with. And, uh, you know, we talk about, you know, well, do you really want to use that word? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I have a friend who, and she knows who she is, who I had to fight with her for every single word I could get in that book. Um, <laughs> and uh, and sometimes I found that I that maybe that word wasn't really needed. Um and then sometimes I, I I fought for that word no matter what. Um, that it, it helps to understand why you use certain words or why you why did you write it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think especially with with your kind of writing, where uh, and what you were writing about that that question of okay, is there a deeper meaning here that that you need to get from it? And a friend would definitely be one who would ask that question. Um, yeah, and, and 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 yeah, and obviously, you know, when when I say friend, and um, you know, I want to add to what you just mentioned earlier. You know, when you have like fifty thousand friends, and that that's not friendship. You know, right. uh, we're we're definitely we're talking about people that you know are honest. You ask them for feedback, and they're honest because you know, like my friends will tell me, "Oh, this this is not this is not good. I don't like it." Or you know, um, they they won't hold back, and I won't hold back. And I'm very grateful for that, honestly, because you don't want to submit something to a publisher or you know share it with people outside your your you know circle of friends and embarrass yourself. You know, you, you want a you want good honest feedback. Oh, definitely. Um, I have authors who say, well, you know, everybody in Facebook likes it. They said, and I said, what do they say exactly? I said, well, they, they said it's a good read. I says, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> that means nothing. It means really, because did they buy your book? Well, no, it was free. It, then, exactly, it means nothing. It means that they enjoyed, yeah, yeah they enjoyed that part of it, but that, they are giving lip service in a lot of cases because they're not really going to go out and buy your book. They just they want to get it for free. 
So um, I said, so you know, don't tell me that your mom liked it. Says send it, send it to me, and I'll and I'll tell you whether or not I think it's is good or whether or not you need some more work on it. <laughs> so. <laughs> no, I but I don't want to be. I don't want to. I want to minimize the importance of of some social um, sites because, um, and I'm going to be very honest. Uh, I, I'm I've met a, quite a few awesome people on Facebook, and mm-hmm. um, and and you know, I I would have probably. I think it's fate, you know, or I don't know how to call it. Anyways, but. Uh, um, I think I would have bumped into them anyways, just like I I, I met you. You know, um, I I rarely go to that uh, to that um, place where we met uh, because it's so far from where I live. Right. And and then I went there and I met you, and I'm very happy I did it. You know, what I'm saying it's just you know you just um, meet certain people because you're supposed to meet them. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I think find it's that, the same. I find that's the case, you know. Uh, it's a uh, you call it karma, call it whatever you want, but mm-hmm. you know things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I listened to your your story of sitting there and going, "Oh, this is kind of amusing." And then uh, you know, your couple of the other guys from the writers group told me about you, and I said, "Well, it's a, maybe I should go and talk to you." So. Um, I don't usually get up and, and, and go right over and talk to somebody unless there's, I feel compelled to do so. Because um, otherwise, yeah, I do get a lot of uh, authors who come and talk to me, but uh, I don't really want to talk to them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, like, okay. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I know what you're saying because um, cause, um, we, we, um, we have a, a, a common friend, Cynthia Miller, and uh, and she told me about you too, you know, because and I I said you know I like Patty a lot, and obviously we share the same views, and and she was like yeah Patty's awesome, and you know it's it's just so it's yeah as I said we were just supposed to meet, and that's just life, and you 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 meet certain people regardless if they're on you know um, um, on social sites or wherever you meet them and you click with them intellectually, and yeah I, some of them I I truly consider um, I consider them my friends because they're just awesome i can feel you know they're they're honest and in their in their um opinions in their you know they wouldn't say something just to please you um and i i value that a lot yeah this helps you get through those uh depressing moments as uh you know there are times in where certain people it's like i'm you know when i go through something it's a good thing i'm not sure if it happens to you but if you're going through a depressing stage and you're angry about something uh, it's always good that if person, people that you have around you aren't having the same bad day you are. <laughs> because if we were all having a bad day like that, I think we would all be getting a drunk all the time. But, <laughs> but it helps to uh, have other people who have different bad days because mm-hmm. that way we can we they can help us through our bad day and then when they have a bad day, which they're going to, uh, You'll be there for them. Mhm. That's and, true. And that's why we need friends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's you know, exactly. That's why you need you need you need people who are will be honest again. Because if if you don't build on honesty, that it's it's just doomed. And um, I, I think I think uh, um, you know um, because I'm a big fan of animal therapy. And uh, I, you know, I, 
created this cat character um, for a reason. You know, I've been working with animals forever, and I love animals, obviously. Um, and I believe in animal affection and, and, and therapy. Um, and for a good reason, um, it takes a very, very grounded, very evolved human being to share unconditional love, you know. And not oh, yes. many people are capable of that. And not many people are even... Uh, you know, aiming that high, <laughs> to be honest. It's it's mm-hmm. not on everybody's list, um, on to-do list, you know. Um, okay. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying these humans are rare, you know, and, um, and you know, we, we have to do a lot of work on ourselves to be capable of, of unconditional love. Um, and um, and I, I think um, love is, is a very powerful healing tool, if not the most powerful, um, and it's not something you can get at the pharmacy, you know, or over the counter. So yeah. I, I, I think, you know, in a way, my character makes it because of, because obviously he's he's going through a lot, but he breaks the cycle because in the end, he has, you know, he's he has love. Um, he's not even aware of it um, that he is actually loved by 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 that uh, stupid cat. <laughs> and by his aunt, and by you know that the um, the woman that he um, you know um, he loved, uh, and he he was hoping it's more like an you know a um, illusory love, but it's still love. And um, I think that that's ultimately his medicine. You know, the fact that he can laugh, the fact that he finds love, um, and the fact that obviously he's honest to himself and the others, which. You know, might be a little bit uh, too much for some of my readers because he's really rude. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's okay. It's part of the whole the whole process. Um, I I heard it once said that uh, that dogs give unconditional love, and I have to say that I think cats do too. They they attach themselves to one person, but they give themselves totally to that one person. a cat that I have now, Squeaker, she she just totally adores my son. Uh, she's attached mm-hmm. to him a hundred percent, and uh, he comes in the door. I mean, he when he's gone, she's depressed. She won't eat. Uh, she eats a little bit, not very much, and then she's like so needy. She's <laughs> and, <laughs> she's totally absorbed with his life, and. You know, we already talked about. Well, what is she going to? What are we going to do with her uh, when he graduates from high school? We're not sure yet. <laughs> but <laughs> the cats do give themselves to at least one person. They attach themselves to at least one person, and they're unconditional love. And that I think dogs. You know, dogs. They they love. They love a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, that they do. Kind of you know, whoever their owner is, they they do give unconditional love. Uh, so, so I'd like to add the idea that you use a cat because cats are sometimes very very sarcastic. Mm-hmm. They, they're naturally yeah. <laughs> they naturally have that way about them, uh, where they give you that you, know, you say something to them and and they look at you like well duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're they're not pack animals, you know. That's the cats are so misunderstood. Um, uh, you know, starting with big cats and you know, uh, um, any with, with our uh, domestic small um, uh, little angels, 
they're very misunderstood because they're not pack animals. They don't have pack mentality, and they gracefully reject what's not of importance to them. They just uh-huh. ignore uh-huh. you if it, because and and there's yeah they, there's something about them, but they're not. Um, you know, we like to label them and to give them you know like human uh, features. But we need to we need to look at them like and 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 um, I hate to say judge because it's not the, the best word, but anyways to assess them if you will, their, to assess their behavior in animal categories. You know, they're not necessarily they don't necessarily want to burn extra calories and see what you're doing when you call them if you're not you know doing something that's interesting to them. All right. So right. you you have to understand that you know they're just they're, they conserve energy. And, you know, unless it's something really exciting, they're not going to move. They're not going to move an inch. They're not going to turn their heads. You know, like they're going to just ignore you. And it doesn't mean that they're mean or they don't love you. Right. right. You're just not interesting to them right at that moment. <laughs> exactly. Like, hey, I'm not going to burn three calories to, you know, get up and go there because I don't want to right now. I want to snooze, you know, and that's it. And so, right. So some people think, well, they're not if they're not cat people, uh, and they're dog people. They say, well, you know, when I call the dog, it comes to me. It's like, uh huh. So you have a subservient uh, mm. animal with you. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, cats think for themselves. Yeah. You know? um, so that's why I thought it was really cool that you use a cat because cats do think for themselves and they have opinions. And uh, and you're right. They if they don't want to get up and 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 you know, walk over to you, then they don't. That's, they're right. You know, if you really want to call them, I think all of them are, are definitely Americans. <laughs> we're, we're all a little arrogant when it comes to, that, to, you know, well, now we don't want to do that because we're Americans. Um, <laughs> so in a way, cats act the same the same way. It's like, uh now it's not interesting. I, I, you're not doing anything Anything interesting for me, so I'm, I'm just going to sit here and wait until you do something. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah, until you do something interesting. Until you do something interesting, <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, she just look at you and says, yeah, and? <laughs> uh-huh, exactly. What's next? What's next? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, a, it's a generous character, you know. The cat, a cat is a generous character, that I can, I can tell you. Well, I use a tiger in my story, so I happen to love mm-hmm. tigers. And uh, they mm-hmm. have the same kind of same kind of mannerism, same kind of uh, ideas. Uh, it's like now, I I, I think I'm just, I, if I want to get in the water, I'm going to get in the water, and if I want to get you wet, I'm going to shake shake all around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's not going to do much about that. It's because he's he's pretty much uh, heavier than you are anyway. Uh, so don't move in that cat. Mm-hmm. So I I'd like you to be able to share, I'm hoping that you'll share with us a little bit uh, from your story. Are you ready to do that? Sure. Um, While you're you're looking, I just said if you would like to include a snippet from one of your chapters, that would be great. Of course. Um, Let me see. I I did put your Facebook page on the chat for everyone to know that way uh, they can get more information about you and where you can find your books thank you so I'm I'm going to read just a, a, a short 
they're all very short, but uh I think I'm going to I'm going to read the a short fragment um from the the healing session in charity. I think it's the one that you heard um at that meeting. I don't remember exactly. It's um it's a, it's about letting go of things, you know, and when I think of things, um I think of the immaterial aspect of it, you know. Um letting go of unnecessary um clutter, you know, things that you never use and you know, that belong to the past, um, stuff like that, because we cling to garbage. That's, you know, we humans are, are we have this. We cling to um, to garbage, and we, we just, uh, um, we we can't give up um, old stuff um, to, to in order to enjoy new stuff. So um, that's what it is about. Good. Okay, you want me to start? Yes. Okay. The Healing Session in Charity Some people think it's relaxing to take a walk in the neighborhood park in the early morning. We do not. We hate to grope in the semi-darkness, but we are pursuing our lovely new neighbor. Small, fig-like breasts, curly eyelashes, mole on her left cheek. We pray to see her again and our prayers are heard. We say hi, and she says hi as well. Then we continue the bonding we started five days ago, hoping that soon we will get our greedy hands on her body. My cat advises me to get it on. I tell the beauty about my lonely nights and the empty cold bed, about the breakfast I share sadly with an animal, about the Christmas cards I send to myself. This is a new strategy, and we are curious if it works. Women need to be impressed. We decided to give up our old strategy when my cat used to play Sick, one of the best tear-generating shows ever. We also decided to try something different than boring my estranged sister's toddlers and displaying strong paternal instincts. Another unbeatable chick magnet. I recite my lonely male poem and wait. The hot neighbor looks at me with compassion. Then she tells me that she's not a charity. Then she excuses herself. She just signed up for the trial of a new medication for migraines organized by the Homeowners Association. We would love to follow her, but my cat stops me. In order to qualify, you have to have at least three strong migraines a month. Unfortunately, the never-ending one and only migraine we have doesn't qualify us for this trial. But what is her answer supposed to mean? Do I look like a poor, desperate man who needs help? My cat says, yes, I hate her, and I hate myself. We decide to go back home and skip the morning coffee shop pies. We're close to the house when a big red truck passes us. The banner on the back reads, help the hungry children of the world. In less than an hour, we knock at their main office door. We need to find out how this charity principle works. An old, muscular lady with a mustache explains, the essence of charity is to help the ones in need and donate things that you don't need anyways. How many times we clean our houses and we find items we haven't seen or used in years? Too many times. Isn't that terrible that we might have 20 towels in the house while a poor child doesn't have any and stands there in the bathroom dripping wet? We agree. We sure have a few items we can dispose of. Our donations will not only help the hungry children in need, but will also help us defeat our selfishness. At least this is what the muscular lady says. She also tells us that the ultimate donor will gladly give up not only all items he does not use anymore, but items that he actually holds dear. Wow, amazing words of wisdom. 
At home, we start looking feverishly for things that we don't need. Surprisingly, we need them all. Even a sock with a big hole in it seems now dear and useful. My cat and I end up putting the donations on a big kitchen table and then taking them back in a precise, continuous come and go. We take tricks to the table without talking to each other like vehicles on a busy two-way street. Trying to make donations can be a very healthy way to self-discovery, though. We learn that we have five beds and four coffee makers. Four coffee makers? My cat's mouth bored. They were buy one, get three free. And how could I forget? Besides, what if three of them break down? We still have one that's running. At the end of the day, we count a few items that we think we can live without. A can of beans, an old dish rack, and some expired baby rat formula. Are we really selfish? Do we have an inability to be generous in caring at least once? Do you want me to go on? <laughs> I'm leaving it up to you, lady. <laughs> it's, I, I, it's up to you. It's just, I love that part. It's, uh, I know you were talking about, you were. I think after that you were talking about getting rid of the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, the, that, That's what I, I listened to when you were at at the uh, bookstore, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that one. And that's one yeah, thing that... If you want to share that, it's a, again, the idea is obviously we want to get people to re, do uh, buy your book. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so um, if you wanted to go into the picture part, then then I think that they would probably get a real good view of, of uh, the insanity of the idea. Okay. Even though I, I love I about the the coffee pots, by the way. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Okay, it's it's pretty short anyway. So okay. Um, Okay, the cat frowns. Her eyes wander the living room only to stop on the painting that has been in our family for generations. I'm surprised and, need I say, unpleasantly surprised. Whenever we try to sell that painting and be able to buy useful items like refrigerator, couch, or shoes, we receive many death threats from otherwise very distant relatives. Even Aunt Lila threatened to leave town, assume a new identity, and never speak us speak to us again should we behave selfishly and allow the family treasure to get into wrong hands. I look at the painting. True, it's a masterpiece signed by the well-known Auguste Ilia Toilette. But for us, the humpbacked, skinny, bow-legged, resting ballerina has no value unless perhaps we can trade her in for a new refrigerator along with a new, bigger house. We recall in awe the first days after we inherited the precious painting from our beloved Uncle Yusuf. We were so overwhelmed by the value of the ugly woman that we could not sleep at night fearing that someone might break into the house and steal it. We even worked shifts, guarding our toilet, and my cat was on constant patrol. We rarely left the house and only when Aunt Lila was available for house eating. Before we became the proud owners of the famous painting, we had no clue how hard it was to live with toilet hanging on your walls. Even a trip to the bathroom was a risk, we proudly assumed, until one day when we decided to hang it right there in the bathroom where it stayed for at least 10 years. Once again, my cat was right. 
What burglar, no matter how sophisticated of an art connoisseur he is, would look for an authentic toilet in the bathroom? Owning <laughs> such valuables had a negative impact on my intimate life as well. On the very rare occasions when I had a woman over, I had to cover the painting days before the event, since her ugliness bothered me immensely and led to poor sexual performances. Just thinking of such skinny legs in my bed made me shiver. Since we were forced to spend so much time around the house, in time we grew closer to the ugly, expensive image. Oddly enough, we could no longer imagine our life without toilet. Over the years, we had many offers, but the pressure from the family was too high. Now that pressure is gone. Most of the family members who used to send us death threats are gone as well. What prevents us from getting rid of the painting? True, we'll have to convince Aunt Lila, but only after we convince ourselves. I look at my cat. She looks at the sandwich I'm eating. I put the sandwich in the refrigerator so we can focus on the topic and not allow the instincts to take over again. The question is, will we be able to donate the toilet? Will we have that strength? My cat says no. We can hardly give up the baby rat formula. Who knows when we might need it? I do not agree. What if our toilet helps with finding a cure for sleeplessness or cat colic? She shows teeth. And what if our toilet helps with finding a worry-free life for us? I call her selfish. She calls me stupid. And honestly, at this point, I don't know what is more desirable. We argue a lot, and we even stop talking to each other for a few hours. The dawn catches us in front of the painting, sleep-deprived and clueless. I stand up. Enough. I will not listen to a cat. The only one I am worried about is on Nyla, so I call her right away. Will she still leave town, move to an undisclosed location, and assume a new identity should we give the toilet away? Of course not. She's old and sick, and let's not forget that she's the only beneficiary on our life insurance policy. She won't be able to cash in if she changes names. We're moved to hear that she's so supportive of us. In the morning, I take the toilet to the hungry children. I offer it to them with respect and joy. I'm aware that the hungry children will need food, and hopefully the value of the painting will help with feeding a small country for a year or two. The people at the charity office express their admiration. They think I'm the ultimate donor, a person with strong values, a pillar of our community. They are wrong. Had they asked me to donate a baby rat formula, I couldn't have done it. Who knows when we might need it to save a baby rat? Deep inside I feel small, but somehow happy. At home, I hang a $5 poster on the wall where I once had the famous toilet. It's a half-naked Hawaiian woman with a big ass. Yeah, baby. There's something odd about our place since I brought in the cheap Hawaiian beauty. She doesn't fit in our elegant living room. My cat suggests that maybe we should get rid of the leather sofa and replace it with something more casual. We do that, but it's not enough. We decide to give up our entire universe. One after another, the beds, the coffee makers, and all the items we have clung to so desperately disappear in the hands of the hungry children of the world. We should be sad, but we're not. Instead, we feel great relief. There's more air in the house. We couldn't sleep on five beds anyways. Did we really need 44 exquisite hardwood chairs? Have we ever used the 39 silver forks? How about the ugly plastic egg holder that we had dumped many times only to run later to the dumpster and retrieve it? My cat totally approves of our new simple life. Sure, we've been poor before, but we have never given up anything willingly. The truth is that we don't need more than one bed, two chairs, and a table to be miserable. 
However, as I hide the baby rat formula and the sock with a hole in it in the drawer, I still think of the words the hot neighbor told me, and I still wonder what she really meant by telling me that she was not a charity. <laughs> I have to tell you that, uh, that, that I loved that story, and one reason is because when I uh, was giving up my home last year, uh, I had 25 years uh, of accumulation, and uh-huh. I, I found stuff. <laughs> back of closets that I didn't even know was there. And I can't tell you how many bottles of vinegar uh, my ex-husband decided that he had to have <laughs> to clean mm-hmm. his, his coffee maker. It, that's why it's really just totally hilarious. That, um, especially, obviously, we're talking at the end, that you only need so many things in your life, and you're you know you're still going to be depressed. But, uh, well, yeah, in in his situation, yeah, it's 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 that's that's the probably what uh, the the humor that you're seeing, and it's pretty the sarcasm, if you will. In his situation, at that point, you know, right. he didn't need more than than a table and two chairs to be miserable because, you know, uh, wealth couldn't matter. couldn't give him anything. Exactly, it didn't matter for him. It made no difference. Comfort made no difference in his life. And I think I think that's funny. To me, it's funny. <laughs> so that's yeah. It's like a zinger at the end. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's a funny way to put it. And the the thing is that uh, being Americans, I, I think that we can probably really uh, appreciate that because it's just, it happens all the time. Um, I mean, you know, what amazes me is I'm not sure. Uh, it, if you know that they have a whole television show on hoarders, uh, you know people who hoard everything and it's, it, their places are a disaster area because they're they're holding on to all this stuff, uh, and it, it's become an illness. And I'm like, what? Who in their right <laughs> minds would actually want to be on television? Uh, you know, showing that they're hoarders. I just it just blows my mind. <laughs> no, you wouldn't believe how many hoarders. And there's a chapter in my book as well because uh, this aunt, Aunt Lila, is his connection with the old world, and she's a hoarder as well. And you'd be surprised, like this uh, hoarding things. I, I, I think it has roots in the old world. I have no, there's no doubt in my mind because you know, like I hate to say it, I had generations of aunts who were hoarders, and they would keep <laughs> objects. Like seriously, they had like walls of objects. They would dust, and I even remember one scene at some point. We had a terrible earthquake in Romania in 1977. Um, I was little, but I still remember. It was really bad, um, and, um, and I remember women, like older women, okay, talking, like sharing, you know, like um, impressions after the earthquake and telling each other, oh, my God, you wouldn't believe it. One of those glasses broke. And I'm like, really? And I was a kid. Can you imagine this? Like, I was, what, eight, nine years old, and I was looking at them, and, you know, people were screaming around us, and, you know, they were looking for victims. 
And right. these old ladies were, like, concerned because those stupid glasses have been in their families for generations, right? <laughs> and and they, they would, you know, they would um, they were inherited from their mothers and their mother's mothers and whatever, <laughs> and they would keep in. Obviously, I had my share because I had, you know, my sister and I had in, inherited some egg holders as well at some point. Um, Which is why that, I, came, that, that got into the story. <laughs> you know that that plastic egg holder, please, mm-hmm. and and um, that was you know supposedly was of great value, not to me though. But anyways, <laughs> so it's there is a ridiculous thing. I mean, in in uh, amidst that that atmosphere of death and and horror, you know, in the aftermath of an earthquake, right. Right. You, you know, you see these people happy that they saved a glass. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, they're, 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 you know, they're, they're just in despair because they lost that glass. That's just that's just it. That's just the humor. The, the, that's the humor of it all. You know, the, is, absurd, the absurdity, it, the absurdity of the situation. It um, is. But I think that when I say it has roots, I think it has roots in scarcity. I I think it has also roots, you know. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people here in the United States, um, um, I, I think a lot of all, all, all people now, maybe some of them are no longer with us, like they developed that after the Great Depression. Yes, yes. I'm assuming, I'm assuming because of scarcity, you know. Um, and I'm assuming, you know, some will develop it now, sadly, you know, as we grow, yeah. because it's very hard. Not to yeah, I, I, I pick on my mom sometimes because she, she grew up at that time. She was a welfare kid and uh, grew up in that in the Depression era and had an alcoholic father and all that. And it's obviously bad things, you know, things, but mm-hmm. she she hoards food in the back of her closets. And, and you know, these things will, like, they get glued to the cabinets mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. the cans have popped open and are seeping out. But, it, oh, well, we can't get rid of that because who knows when we'll actually need it. <laughs> I, I know exactly. That's that's the idea behind it. Who knows when we'll need it. And at some point in, in my book, the, the character goes with his cat and they pay a visit to their aunt and there's a couch covered in plastic and they cannot sit on it. Yeah. You know, because it's you know they don't want to, they don't want to damage it, and and there's a lot of things of objects around them they they're not allowed to touch them. I I remember some of this as a kid, of course, and as I said, it's not autobiographic, but there is there there's you know, uh, things that I bring in from the old world, and I think they're funny, and I think it's human nature, you know, um, right. but you know there are a lot of things that he's he's told that he. You know, you will this this one day these will be yours. But how are they going to be yours if you are, if you are breaking them today? If you you know you have to right. preserve. We have to preserve them so you can get them later when you when you grow old. So right, I think and haven't helped you haven't helped you actually inherit it, and and then <laughs> they'll be watching you. You know, from uh-huh, heaven, uh-huh, they'll strike uh-huh. you down if you got a uh-huh. nick on that on that coffee uh-huh. table. Uh-huh. <laughs> exactly. If you sit on the couch, oh, yeah. <laughs> they oh, call the plastic. <laughs> oh, and as so I totally agree with you that that uh, you know I think it's in America it was from the Depression era kids that you know they they had done without and now that they have they're you know they're holding on to it with death grip and uh, they just can't seem to let it go and. Uh, 
especially with food and you know any, any major possessions are the same way and uh so you know I always got hand me down furniture uh because you know that's just why bother buying it new if you can get it get it you know gently used and I mean really gently used mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But mm-hmm. you know, heaven help it if if I got you know it's like it's like well uh, somebody took a screwdriver to the to, to the coffee table, those things happen. Mm-hmm. But oh my God, it was just it was a bad thing. Yes, I I got those. Uh, I understand you understood and and just laughed at it because it reminded me of my own family, and <laughs> and it it just. You just have to say that that's that's them, you know. That's, but yeah, you know, I think that there's that in every family in America, because we all come from roots from the you know from Europe. Exactly. Um, and so we have brought, as you say, the old family here. And it's the same ways, you know, the same old family ways. We we still have we still hold on to what we think is tradition, but we we go a little. Over the edge with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, it's, it's true. And when I, I had this revelation when you know, like, because I grew up like in 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 a very dark era, you know, when when food was scarce and it, it was absolutely horrific. Um, obviously, um, we, we tend to we tend to um, uh, buy a lot of food. And until I realized one day that hey, we're wasting too much, but. but we had this, uh, you know, growing up in, in, in hungry, basically, as children, hungry. There was no food. So um, I thought, oh, okay, we have this problem because I lived 20 years. I, I grew up under, uh, you know, in scarcity, and um, obviously I, I'm hungry all the time, and I have to have food in the house because I don't feel safe if I don't have food in the house. Right. But then I moved here, and I see people doing the same. So I'm thinking, well, you know what, I think it's just our nature you know, to act like hamsters and try to, you know, um, pack our, our, you know, pantries with food because we don't feel safe when we don't have food in the house. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, human nature. Yeah, it's, uh, and again, I think that it has to do a lot to do with the generation that you might mm-hmm. have grown up in. Because uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's an issue with my son. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you know he's always grown up in a family who had food, uh, mm-hmm. so it's like, well, you know, he. I remember a few times he said, um, "I said, well, I didn't have any any money on me," and he said, "Well, just go to the bank and get some." I said, "Max, it has to be in the bank before you can actually take it out." Mm-hmm. <laughs> when I say when I say I don't have any money, I really don't have any money. Uh, you know, it's all allocated somewhere else. You can't just you know, you know, because. Uh, they grew up in the in the credit card age, you know. It's like, well, you can't just always take it off the credit card. It's that's what got us into trouble. You know, all of Americans in trouble that we're in now. It's it's mm-hmm. like, well, keep keep borrowing, keep borrowing, keep borrowing. Because like, no, you got to stop. Uh, so, yeah, I try to teach him. and says, no, you can't just go and get money from the bank because it's not there. Uh, mm-hmm. You can't use it. You already have it, you know, allocated for something else. You can't do that. So it's it's humorous that the for different generation, um, and so they have other issues. You know, uh, the other day we got knocked off of our cable and you know, so cable and internet, 
uh, accidentally somebody, you know, the uh, cocks decided in their infinite stupidity to turn uh, us off instead of our neighbor. So <laughs> they got they got the wrong apartment number. <laughs> so uh, my my son is. They were supposed to come back and fix it. They didn't. And so it's like, okay, we got to wait another whole day. And he's like, oh, my God, we're going back to the caveman age, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, kid, you have no clue what the caveman days are like, okay. So uh, it's like, heaven help him. He had to actually watch a video and talk to his mom, you know. <laughs> so we get sarcastic on those things, and, and it helps us to get through that, that yeah, I think we've all grown up with 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 some kind of quirky family things, and uh, what you've written there is reminds us of those quirky family stuff, uh, and oh, makes man. us laugh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I try to I try to you know, um, and, and again that's why that's why I'm, I I made my character nameless. And you know what? A lot of people told me, like, oh, you cannot have a book with a nameless character because people will want to know his name and then they won't read the book. And um, I, I think I was very ambitious because I wanted to, to, to make it interesting and, you know, and funny. And um, after you read the first chapter, you don't even care about his name no more because he's, you know, um, you can relate to him. And that's why I bring up everything, like all these little things that ultimately, you know, um, bring us together, you know, um, family, um, friends, you know, our relationships with people, love, um, depression, everything that makes us human. Right, right, exactly. We we all have issues, and so, you know, we we have to know the person next to us has issues too. That'll be, you know, love them for who they are. Now, I, I know that you were writing in a critique group, and you, uh, we got some really good ones here in Arizona now. Um, you're in town. Uh, do Would you recommend that for other authors? Uh, my group or the critique as uh, the going to a critique, joining a critique group? And would you recommend that for other aspiring authors? Um, um, uh, I, I'm not sure I got the, the question right. The, um, are you asking me if I recommend uh, my critique group or uh, uh, using a critique <laughs> no, group? No, using, using a using general a critique, critique group. group. You know what? Um, uh, I do recommend a critique group, and again, I think it's a matter of chemistry. And I, I think every writer um, will agree with me that... Um, you need honest feedback. You need, but you need you you need to be in the right group of people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you, you know what I'm saying? Um, yes, I joined the um, um, Central Phoenix Writing Workshop, and we we had awesome chemistry um, from day one. We, you know, most of us are friends outside the group, uh, um, and this, you know, like this. Our friendship never affected our, uh, you know, um, uh, professional relationship, if you will. But, um, and this is a good example, you know, that, you know, um, um, uh, I trust them and I I highly recommend, if you're in in Arizona, I highly recommend to join one of of their groups because now they have smaller groups around the valley and Mm -hmm. they're very successful. We are a very successful group. Um, uh, And I definitely recommend that to to a writer. 
I think you need feedback. I think even I need to go, you need to go sign up maybe for two or three groups if you're lucky enough to have them in your area, and just go and check them out and see if you click with with uh, with the people. And by by clicking with people, I'm not saying that you know you should um, uh, become best friends or marry them. I'm saying that you should have that intellectual connection. You know, right, saying right. that you yeah, could exactly. you know like you could um, uh, click with them intellectually and 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 um, um and I think it's it's very it's very good to have um it, uh, I think it's a healthy relationship to mm-hmm, be able to mm-hmm. uh find the right group that because mm-hmm. uh I had uh started when I was working on uh Time Conquers all and the subsequent books after that. Uh started mm-hmm. with a group that was more fantasy uh more fantasy sci fi, which of course was the same area I was writing. Mhm. So it, it comes in handy sometimes to have um, the same uh, same uh, the authors around you having the same uh, genre type because they read that stuff so they can critique you better. Um, but it yes. is also it's also important to obviously get along with them. Uh, True. Um, so. And then uh, you're right. I agree with that. They need to they need to have a, a little bit of expertise um, in a particular you know genre. But I think what's most important, um, they need to be good writers themselves. They need to be professionally very good. And, you know, if you are a good writer and if you're an experienced writer and not necessarily, you know, um, you have a a good eye for, you know, um, some of us are natural-born editors, for example. You know what I'm saying? Without being being amazing writers and the other way around, I, I suck with editing. You know, I really, and it's not because I do, I really love giving feedback, but editing is really definitely not my um, uh, forte. And and I I tell people, and people know, I have friends who are awesome editors, natural born editors. They will just, they, in five seconds, they tell you everything, you know. And mm-hmm. and you're like, oh my god, how can you see that, you know? Because that's, you know. And I think everybody should, you know, bring their their talents on and and and. Um, and do some teamwork, and this is what we're doing. That the, the group I am right now, um, they're very, very supportive. And regardless, you know, some of us write science fiction, some of us write. I write humor. I'm, I think I'm the only one really sarcastic in that group. Um, and um, you know, everybody, you know, um, some people r- r- write memoirs and um, and um, adventures, whatever you name it. But I think mutual respect and um, you know. Yeah. Um, a high level of professionalism uh, are ultimately what decide of you know um, the outcome. I totally agree with you. Um, the, the mutual respect, especially and mm-hmm. professionalism, uh, is really important when you're dealing with any group. Really, I mean, you, whether you're in a job, you, you need to have those things as well. Um, if you're if you're in a small office, my gosh, you, you mean. Uh, there's so much backbiting that can happen if you, you know, have professionalism and and uh, yeah, uh, get along with try to get along with people. Um, and that happens anywhere, uh, but with a writing group, you know, writers are are kind of a, a touchy lot. You know, we, we are we're we're glued to what we are creating because it's our child, and mm-hmm. uh, so sometimes as a if I were critiquing as an editor um, they wouldn't take it as well as if I, I'm letting them know what they need to fix as a publisher 
because I've gotten to a different level for them. <laughs> just, I, I, I got I got your claws on your book. You know, I got your claws on your child, and I'm telling you that it's, you need to do this other stuff with it. Otherwise, it's not going to get in the print. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you said it, Patty. I mean, it's it's you know, it's it's your child, and you can't tell a mother their child is ugly. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I know. <laughs> Even if the child's ugly. Even if the mother thinks, oh yeah, he is kind of ugly, but you never say that. <laughs> you can't do exactly. That's that's a bad one. But I think yeah, that's you're right. That's that's a very strong relationship between what we create. And um, and us as writers, and maybe this is why we are regarded as cuckoos and freaks, and you know, by everyone else because we develop, we have this attachment, you know, um, a little bit sick for some for outsiders um, <laughs> to our to our works, and it's it's understandable because you work so hard, and yeah. and 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 you know, you you have to be you have to be an artist to understand what we're going through to write what we write. Oh yeah, this is that. I have to uh, say that, that I have to actually date an author or date a writer in order in order to live with them, because uh, you know they they're the only ones who are going to understand me, uh, and uh, they're and vice versa. Anybody else is not going to understand. You know, well I've got the scene in my head and I got to get it out. You know, mm-hmm. it's like no, you got to go to bed because you got to go work the next morning. No. No, I gotta get the scene out. That's just there isn't anything else, you know. Mm-hmm. And my <laughs> my head is imploding. Yeah, uh-huh. it's, it's it's imploding in my head. I've got to get it on paper. <laughs> so yeah. I, I have to say that if you're really writing a lot and and you, and, you, and you're creating, then it's good to have a partner <laughs> who's also writing. Uh, it helps both of you to come you know, stay the sanity, and and, and they understand. He understands me. I understand him. Yeah. Yeah. The the it's, relative state of sanity yeah, that we enjoy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've always thought of this. This is a very interesting topic, you know, because there are pro, pros and cons, and uh, whether we as creative, you know, um, personalities should uh, should get. Create equally creative partners or not? Right. Yeah, and I yeah. I don't know I don't have the answer I don't have the answer yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. My answer was yeah I, I I thought I married one that uh, he moved on and did something else and 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 I stayed in in some kind of form of writing, and then mm-hmm. you know it's like well I couldn't get my book done because you know he's always trying to get my attention, and it's it's, you know, it's okay but that's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So yeah, it just doesn't work. But so when I uh, I started going to a critique group, I was hoping to find somebody who I could, you know, mesh with, and mm-hmm. understand me for who I was. So um, and of course, we became partners in business as well. So that's it's kind of fun to do that. We are on yeah, our it's, last. It's nice. It's, it's nice to have a kind of soul around. <laughs> yeah, I make them go everywhere. But uh, we're in our last three minutes, and I wanted everyone to know where to find your novels, where to find your book. Um, they can they can find the healings on um, Amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, like all the even even on um, um, Kalahari.net. You know, believe it or not, it's everywhere. Um, 
um, on Australian sites and and um, in, in 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 Africa as well, in South Africa as well. Uh, but Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, they can visit my website um, www.thehealings.net. Um, I also have um, um, I have excerpts from the book on the on the website, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have a blog on human nature, which is equally sarcastic. Um, awesome. They might want to read that as well and have fun. I just added that to the chat, so everyone can have your your website address on there um, and be able to get on there. There's a lot of fun just uh, to read it and get to know you a little bit better, and, and I'm sure they feel just as comfortable if they've listened to this conversation. I'm quite sure they're going to go out and say, "Yeah, I want to hear. I want to hear more about this." Um, so that's that's what we need to do, and that's what the whole point is to the conversation. So the fan site. You have a fan site. I, I'm I do have my a, notes I, I, Yeah, I do have. Um, um, if you look up the healings on um, on uh, Facebook, I have a, a fan uh, web page. Okay. Um and they can um they can basically get to all my links from um from my website. Um they can get ev- everywhere um to Facebook, they can befriend me on Facebook and please do so and if you have questions that you want me to ask to please email me. Um and uh there's a there's an um email um address on my website as well and I check it pretty regularly. Um, please uh, leave comments on my website. You know, I really um, I like to hear from you, and I answer. You know, um, to um, to comments and to emails. I'm pretty good about it. I um, I, I want to hear from my from my readers. Awesome, awesome. And I thank you for coming on with me today. It was a lot of fun, and uh, welcome you back anytime. And when you get your new book out, and definitely have to come and talk to us again. Thank you, Patty. I really, really appreciate it. It, it was um, so much fun. So much fun. We'll be giving you this as, uh, in about a couple hours. It'll be up online, so that way you can put it on Facebook and anybody can listen to it, even though they weren't able to listen to it now. So so with that, with everyone, I'd like to say good night and thanks so much for coming and listening. And uh, this is KY Radio signing off for the night. Our next uh, show is going to be on Saturday. And that is with a brand new author and new book. Um, and we're looking forward to talking to her at that time. Charlie's Angels is a brand new show. And we have Charlie's Urban Angels author. And that will be at 10 o'clock a.m. Arizona time. So have a great night and see you on Saturday. <laughs>